0: verses 15 through 18. Philippians chapter 1, 15 through 18. Well done on the singing today. It is an absolute joy um, to stand up here and just listen to the many, many voices. Uh, Matt and the rest of the team, thank you for leading us before the throne of grace. Um, all of our attention, all of our attention for these next A few moments is focused on the Word of God that He has for you and for me this morning. Um, If you are visiting with us for the very first time, I want to welcome you, especially to Big Woods Bible Church. Um, And for each of you, it is just a delight to have you here. Special welcome to some special guests. I have my mother and my father-in-law, Ed and Linda Henderson, uh, visiting with us. They'll be heading back to Florida later this afternoon. Um, Grandpa, as we call him, pastored for more than three decades. And I was only a teenager when it was the very first time I heard him preach. Um, I had heard that he was leading a church that was growing very very quickly um and when he walked up to the pulpit literally and this is true my, my father was there my brother was there can attest to this i'd heard that he was an unusually spirit-led man he had a white beard a full white beard at that time and as he approached the pulpit honestly there was thunder and lightning outside that you could hear through the walls of the building. As he walked up to the pulpit, the power went out. And I'm like, who, who is this man? Uh, That was the first time I heard my father-in-law, Ed Henderson, preach. To tell you the truth, I don't remember a word that he said, but I did recognize the fact that he had a smoking hot daughter. So it was a good day overall. Um, I was just a teenager at the time. (laughs) Um, What a a delight to be blessed um, by the heritage uh, that we have in our family, and I rejoice and a godly example and a godly mother and father-in-law. And I love them. Love you. Safe travels today. Would you bow your heads? And uh, before we get into God's word, we need to pray and just ask for the Lord to lead us as well as you are. Um, I'm sure um, heard there's a, a bit of an election coming up this Tuesday. And we just live in such a, a divided, divisive um, Almost a a nasty, nasty time. And we just need to pray. We know that God is sovereign. He reigns and rules over everything and everyone. Um, We need to be good citizens. But as Pastor Aaron reminded us uh, through Jonathan Lehman's book, um, our job is very clear. Our job is very clear in continuing to um, present the hope that exists only through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel and that needs to be our focus. Let's pray. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for this time this morning. Father, we do come before you and I just, I just want to thank you for already the blessing that you have been to all of us. Um, Father, that you have offered your own son to suffer and die on our behalf. And Lord, that we can take time out of a busy week, a busy schedule, and just just lift up our voices in song to you. Um, you, Lord, to you belong belong all the glory, and that's our focus. I pray, Lord, that your word would speak, that your Holy Spirit would be heard, uh, and that you would be pleased uh, with this time together that we have in your word. Father, with one voice, we do lift up our country and our leaders as we are instructed to pray. And Lord, we just ask that your perfect will be accomplished. We pray, Lord, that, um, that there would be love and hope that is seen through the message of Jesus. And that even as a result of, of what is going on around us, the swirling storm, Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. You're the only one who can ever bring full reconciliation and we pray lord that as followers of jesus that we would have opportunities to speak of your good news this week this week especially father i i personally just ask for strength right now as um, i read your word and preach it uh, please guard mind and mouth as i am in constant need of you working through me I, I love you, Lord, together we love you, and we thank you for your patience and your grace and your mercy and your unconditional love for us. Bless us. Bless us now. We ask this in the strong and amazing, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I don't know if you noticed, but the, the, the sun kind of was shining a little bit, For it seems like for the first time in a long time. That, you know, even when there's clouds, we know that the sun is still back there, right? You realize that the word of God, wherever you open up to it, any, any book, any chapter, any verse, you realize that Christ is behind the truth of the, 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 the Bible. Every chapter, every verse, it's like the sun behind the clouds. Christ is behind every word of this book been involved in this study over the last about month now we are making breakneck speed in chapter one still and we know that Philippians is is what synonymous with joy we learned last week that Paul even though he's suffered pain and imprisonment and hardship we've learned that what the gospel can still be advanced just like the pain and the hardship and the suffering that that we all endure on occasions some of you perhaps even now I want to encourage you that there's a purpose for that, that the gospel can still be advanced. God can do something wonderful and beautiful, even in the midst of our suffering. Last week, we ended in verse 14, and we talked about the result that, that Paul was faithful, and because of that, there are other people that increased in their boldness to speak of Jesus. So today we pick up right where we left off. We'll read verses 15 through verse 18 as our text this morning. The word of the Lord. Some, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The, The latter do it out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. And the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that In that, I rejoice. You know, it it seems kind of hard to imagine that there are actually Christians, there's actually believers who could oppose the Apostle Paul. He is a godly, humble servant. But, But some people actually could. As a matter of fact, some people actually did. It seems like these people that were giving Paul a hard time were believers, other Christians in Rome. They had probably heard about Paul. They had learned about him. Maybe even they heard his own testimony. Most likely, they are some of the ones who last week are described that they're more bold to preach. But there was a problem here. Some of these people... Liked the message of Paul, but they didn't like Paul. We see this pretty clearly because what they were thinking to afflict me, Paul says. Hurt me even in my imprisonment. You know, it's interesting to note that we don't have to go very far into the book of Philippians. We're still in chapter 1 before we come upon what? Something that exists in real life, real time. Division or schisms within the body within the church here it falls into two categories the first category category number one some people were preaching christ with the wrong motive it says that they were preaching from envy and rivalry then there's another category of people some were preaching christ with the right motive it says from good will and Paul even goes into a little bit more depth here and explains this motivation. And he breaks it up like this. The latter ones, or the last mention, those who are preaching Christ from goodwill, do it out of love. Paul says, knowing that I'm here for the defense of the gospel. And then the former, or the first mention, those that are pre- preaching Christ from envy and rivalry do it out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to inflict me in my imprisonment. Two categories. The number one is this. Some preach Christ with the wrong motive, with envy, envious, rivalry, selfishness. So you think, okay, before we get too far into this text, basically what we're hearing this morning is this. Some people in the church of Jesus Christ. People who are blood-bought. People who are followers of Jesus. People who have been redeemed and declared righteous through the atoning work of Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross and in the tomb. People who are now called according to the purpose that some people in the church don't like other people in the church. Whoa! You mean... You mean I got up this morning at 8 o'clock, I did my hair for that? Think about it. That's something new. Some people in the church of Jesus Christ don't like other people in the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you got up this morning for that. You know why? This is why. Because it's a big problem. It's a big problem. When we don't like and we don't love one another. And it's even a bigger problem to try to ever position yourself ahead of a brother or sister in order to win your own gain. That's what this text is about. Now, in addition to that, we also see what? We are to learn, regardless of how the gospel is preached, Regardless of how Christ is proclaimed, there's always, always, always a reason to rejoice. You know why? Because because we have to remember, the message is always bigger than the messenger. Remember that. The message is always bigger than the messenger. This past May... A 68-year-old evangelist based in Louisiana asked his followers to donate money so that he could buy a $54 million private jet. He says this, and I quote, You know, I've owned three different jets in my life and I have used them and used them and just burning them up for the Lord. He said, now, some people believe that preachers shouldn't have jets. I believe that preachers ought to go on every available voice, every available outlet to get this gospel preached to the world. The evangelist went on to say that God told him that he needed the Desalt Falcon 7X. He had it. I really believe that if Jesus was physically on the earth today, he would not be riding a donkey. Think about that for a minute. He'd be in an airplane preaching the gospel all over the world. I read something like that in many respects, and my stomach turns. And yet what's interesting is this. I went to this man's website. and Guess what? He believes that the word of God is inspired, is perfect, it's infallible and inerrant. He believes what? That God exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He believes that salvation exists by grace through faith alone. What I'm saying is that his doctrine, in many ways, checks out. Wait, Wait a minute, but there's different approaches to ministry. And so this week, I have to tell you, I have wrestled, I have wrestled with what? With the intensity of these words. I have been struck over and over again with how strong this message is and how riveting the truth of this text is. If you're reading between the lines, you heard it correctly. They say that this text has personally convicted me. Because it has reminded me how far my heart and my mind can be from the mind of Christ. And it also reminds me of how, how amazing and how patient and how majestic the mind, the ways, and the grace of God is. You see, I have been at this for quite some time now i read and i study and i preach the word of god and you know that when you read and you study the scriptures regularly you see what you see certain things bubble up to the surface and and you see what is referred to in 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 our circles as the immutability of god it's the doctrine that says that god simply does not change the same yesterday today and forever and we see that throughout scriptures So what happens is that as you read and and as you study, you you, you know how it's going to end. Behind the clouds, what? Or the sun. Behind the word of God always is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so you know as you study this book, you you begin to think like, I I know what God's thinking here. And I know how God works. And I know what, what God is going to do in this situation of this guy who wants a fifty-four million dollar jet, I know how he's going to respond to this. And this, this this happened to me this week. When I when I think for a moment, I know how God's going to respond. It's reminded of how wrong I am. I I I read this phrase, some indeed preach christ from envy and rivalry i read that phrase some indeed preach christ with false motive wrong motive with envy and rivalry and i automatically knew i knew how this verse was going to proceed it was going to proceed something like that Some indeed preach christ from envy and rivalry and so god crushed that pathetic manipulative person who would ever preach christ like that into the dust of the ground right it wasn't there. It didn't say that. Why? Why why did it say that? Because Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 reminded me. What? God is saying for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Boger. Isaiah 55 Verse 8 and verse 9 says, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So instead, the Holy Spirit of God breathed into the Apostle Paul these words. Somebody did preach Christ from envy and rivalry? What?" In every way, in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that, I rejoice. Oh, Stop. Just hit the pause button for a moment. Why are we here this morning? Why would you get up so you could be seen by other people? No, no, that's not the reason. Why are we here this morning? Why? To hear God, to see God, to get to know God. God more, so we can what? Give him more glory. Why are we studying this book of Philippians? Why are we learning real joy for real life? We've been learning that what? Joy and rejoicing comes as a result of the settled conviction that God sovereignly controls all circumstances, all circumstances, for our good and for his glory. That's why we're studying this. So think about this. For a moment, if God could use pain for his good and his glory, and we saw that last week when Paul says, what, I want you to know what happened to me, serve to advance the gospel. We saw that in verse 12. If God could use pain for our good and his glory, couldn't God use a person who preaches Christ from envy and rivalry, the Greek word here is jerk, It's what it is. Couldn't God use a jerk for your good and for his glory? Yes, yes. A resounding yes. Why? Because because the focus is not on the pain and the suffering. The focus is not on the person who is preaching with wrong motives. The focus is on how incredible God is and how the message of the gospel is much bigger and much better than any of us are. I have heard men preach messages that in a sense made me drool they were so good exegetically solid doctrinally sound they were funny they had the crowd laughing at the right moment and then they had the crowd weeping at the right moments at the end an opportunity was given to respond and you could hear crickets chirping nothing I then have heard other messages. Oh my, I have sat through some messages, as I know that you have sat through some messages as well. At best, being kind are inarticulate. To be brutally honest, they're just rambling and and just confusing at best. And yet an opportunity was given to respond to the gospel and people flood it forward. That said, I need to know this Jesus who forgives me of my sins. Now, I am in no way, in no way ever saying be careless. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting in any way be lazy when you proclaim Christ. We are to preserve the true essence and the full accuracy of the gospel at all times. We are also to seek to protect the motivation to our ministry. But what I want to remind you this morning, we all need to be reminded, is that there's many things that are outside our control, but they are not outside the control of a sovereign God. I I want to serve a God. I want to serve a God. I want to worship a God. I want to raise my hands and sing and weep in response to his goodness and greatness and his glory. I want to serve a God where nothing is outside the reach of his mighty hand. I want to serve a God that doesn't just use blue skies and fluffy clouds and sunshine for for me to see his glory. I want to serve a God that can use dark clouds and dark days and hard times and harsh people so that I, so that we can see his glory. I want to serve a God who's willing to offer His own Son up to be beat and spit on and to suffer and die so that you and I can be forgiven and live, truly live. I want to serve a God like that. But I I know this, I know that that's not the way that you and I would write the script. It's not the way that we, what, what, that That stuff, like that dark cloud stuff, that, that That hard time, that harsh people, that is what, that's zero fun. We wouldn't write the script like that. It's not easy, it certainly wasn't easy for the Apostle Paul. If you recall, he's been placed into custody, he's awaiting trial for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you would kind of expect the critics and the skeptics to attack him or be rude to him or crude to him or cruel to him. You kind of expect that from enemies of the gospel. But Paul was actually suffering from the attacks and criticisms of those other people who actually were his own brothers and sisters. You and I know what? Nothing hurts us more. Nothing hurts us more than those who hurt us from within our own ranks. Boy, does that happen. Sadly, does that happen in the church of Jesus Christ. The word here says that they were preaching Christ out of envy. The word is thonos. Envy means this. It's wishing others... Did not have what they have. It's very closely connected. Envy to jealousy, and jealousy is wishing to have what someone else has. So, from what we can tell in our text, is that there's critics, what detractors of Paul, who were both envious and jealous. So, this is what they they envied Paul's giftedness. They envied what his intelligence. He's a brilliant scholar. They they envied his, his oratory skills and his influence. They envied the fact that he was highly respected and highly loved. Rather than being thankful that they have a brother who is so gifted and so godly, they attacked him. Why? Because they wanted to be like him. They wanted to be him. Which leads us, what, to to the fact that they are preaching Christ out of rivalry. In other words, New American Standard uses the word strife. It shouldn't even even exist within the body of Christ. But to some that were preaching Christ with rivalry, it's strife. It's it's a contention with a spirit of enmity and hatred and and animosity. Matthew Henry says it like this, and I quote, "There, There were those who envied Paul's reputation in the churches and the interest that he had among the Christians, and endeavored to supplant him and undermine him. They were secretly pleased when he was laid up in prison, that they might have the better opportunity to steal away the people's affections. And they laid themselves out the more in preaching, that they might gain to themselves the reputation that they envied him. Henry says this, It is sad It is sad that there should be men who profess the gospel, especially who preach it, who are governed by such principles as these, who should preach Christ in spite to Paul and to increase the affliction of his bonds. Then he adds this. Let us not think it strange if in these latter and more degenerate ages of the church that there should be any such. He's saying what? Just as what existed... In Paul's day, guess what? Sadly, it's a fierce competition. Who's got the biggest church? Who's the best preacher? Who can gather crowds? Who can have a circus or a parade to draw attention? We can't do that. We can't be that. I know it's hard at some level in people, perhaps, perhaps you're even new when you're visiting, you're new to this church idea. It's, it's hard to accept the fact. You mean there's, there's this that exists amongst churches, in our country, in our worlds, And we hear that, not only is it hard to accept, but it actually makes us angry. This morning I tell you, upon the authority of God's word, we can learn, like Paul, to not be angry. Don't be angry, but actually rejoice how how do we do that because we know that the message is always bigger than the messenger don't focus on a person don't focus on an individual focus on the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's my first point I know I know what you're thinking number two this goes very quickly some people preach Christ with the right motive. And it's explained like this: what from goodwill out of love. Out of love. So so rather than focusing on what we feel our responsibility is, is what our responsibility is to right all of the wrong that exists in all of the churches today. Rather than what? Battling with or, or correcting or seeking to change. What you and I need to focus on is the ministry that God has called us to. This little church and this little community, what is our mission? What has God called us to? And we delightfully and easily see and learn from Paul's example and instruction. We know that we are not to be what? You've not, given a, been, you've not been given a badge and a gun here okay we are not to be spiritual police we're to be proclaimers of the good news of jesus we are not to judge others how they should or or how they should not do ministry we're to simply trust god we we are we are not to to cut on or criticize we're not to be envious of others but rather like paul we are to rejoice that the gospel is being preached so we know what we're not to do, let's look at very quickly according to what we see in our text. It's very clear what we're not supposed to do. Let's learn from what we are supposed to do. And you see that in Paul's words because he uses two different phrases, both with the pronoun I. And he says this, I am put here for the defense, the word is apologia. It means what? To make a formal justification. I am here for the defense of the gospel. That's what our job is. Every single one of us needs to know that truth. And if you don't, I invite you this morning to learn what the good news of Jesus is all about. Why do you keep talking about this? It's important enough to talk about. We you know what we're not supposed to do. We're not the spiritual police. We're not to cut and criticize. We are here for the defense of the gospel. That's what Paul says. He also says what? Verse 18. I rejoice. He, he's in chains, change, change. His, his wrists, his ankles have been, have been rubbed raw. He has been tortured, he's been led from place to place to place. Those that are closest to him, supposedly that are his own brothers and sisters in Christ, are criticizing him. And he says, I'm here for one reason, for the defense of the gospel, and I rejoice. You and I too, this morning, can rejoice because we know... The glory of God and the greatness of the gospel can never be reduced by the motives of mankind. Remember that. Remember that. A couple takeaways very quickly. How do we apply this text to our life? You've got to know the gospel first. First and foremost, you've got to know. You've got to know the fact that there is a holy God, and we are sinful men. That God created us to reflect His glory, created us in His image, and we can't do that in and of ourselves because of the brokenness of our own sin. A holy God cannot be near our sin, but God loved us enough to send His own Son, who took upon Himself the form of a servant, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, and Christ paid your sins pause my sins you know that area that's deep within that no one else knows about no one else sees we shine up well on Sunday morning the envy that we have towards the other person yeah they're my brother yeah, the other my sister but 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 why did they Get seen up front, and I don't. All the sin, when Christ cried out on the cross, it is finished. Everything, everything, every sin that you and I have ever committed, and every person in the history of this entire world, was paid for. I rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ did not stay dead, but three days later, we just sang about it. We just sang about the fact that we serve a living Savior. And when we put our faith and our trust, there's the action. Put our faith and our trust in the finished work of Jesus, accomplished on the cross and the tomb, then we just follow him in obedience. That's the gospel. You need to know the gospel. That's why we're here. And if you don't know that, please don't race out afterward. Please don't leave this room this place this morning without saying asking someone what's the gospel what's this good news all about we need to know the gospel secondly we need to examine your own motives for proclaiming the gospel why do you tell people about the good news of jesus so they'll like you so that you look impressive to them that you go to church only only you can look deep within God already knows it. God already sees it. You're not fooling anyone that matters. Examine the motives for proclaiming Christ. Number three, commit to proclaim Christ out of a love for others, not a love for yourself. We will bother one another. Surprise! We'll irritate one another. We're family. I, I, I grew up in a family with with four kids in the back seat of a station wagon for long periods of time and it gets ugly back there. We all arrived at the same destination and today as much as I irritated my brother and sisters and as much as they me, I still love them. I still call them up and I still check, how you doing? They're family. We need to commit to proclaim Christ out of a love for others, not yourself. Fourthly, and finally, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in the fact that Christ is being proclaimed and the gospel will advance, even in the midst of the fact that we live with a lot of pain, and a lot of hardship, and a lot of heartache, and a lot of suffering. But God can use all of those circumstances, all of those, to advance the good news of the gospel and we delightfully delightfully get to have a little tiny part a little tiny part just be faithful in the little part that you have been given we can delight in the fact that he chooses to use us to extend and expand his kingdom for his glory a kingdom that there will be no Father, we love you and thank you for your love for us. Thank you for speaking to us this morning through your word. Father, I would ask that you would speak specifically to hearts, the people who do not know and have not accepted the good news of Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would tap somebody on the arm and say, tell me, tell me about this Jesus, tell me about this good news. Father, I, I ask for forgiveness in my own heart. And I struggle at times with envy. And I can get angry that someone's not doing it the way that I would do it. And How wrong, how, how selfish and how prideful that is. God, help all of us to love one another as you have loved us bless us dismiss us with joy and rejoicing and singing because we know the gospel will always go forward for your glory we ask this in jesus name amen would you stand with us please as we close